That's right, Packers fans. It's time to talk some football with my good friend Andy Herman here on Cheesehead TV after the Packers embarrassed themselves and pretty much anyone who showed up in London uh, by dropping a game to the New York Giants 27-22. Who, hey, okay, shout out to the Giants because they looked really well coached, especially being as undermanned as they were coming into this game and throughout the game. I and mean, they, they dropped like flies throughout this contest, but they come away with the victory. The Packers got a lot of questions that need answering, so that's why I talked to Andy. Andy, how the hell are you today? I'm doing great. Can we start with something? I'm going to hijack the show. Can we start with something positive? I want you were in London, yes, and we yes, know sir. the game did not go according to plan, but it, the whole experience looked beyond amazing, and I had fear of missing out the entire time. So that that whole thing looked awesome. It was absolutely surreal, I will say. And I'm going to give a shout out to everybody who put together the event itself at the stadium. Like the right. whole week was great. We had an event for Cheesehead TV on Friday. Tons of fun. The Packers had a pep rally on Saturday. That was a good time. But the actual event of the game at Hotspur Stadium, I was beyond impressed. Um, I don't think Corey Banky, my co-founder, was as impressed as I was. But I thought it felt like a Super Bowl. If all the kind of trappings of a really big, humongous game. And then when the game started, it was very much a Packers home game. From the crowd to everything, all the signage, all the video, I, all of that was phenomenal. Uh, the Packers themselves, they were fine for a half and then not so much. Um, let's start with that. Let's start with the idea that this is a team now that the one thing they do consistently is show up inconsistently week to week as as far as like there's a half where you can kind of hang your hat and say, this is something they do well. And then there's always that other half, whether it's the first or the second, usually the second, but not always, where they look completely hapless. Where are you on this team as far as, okay, we know there are issues, there are things that got to clean up, things that got to work. I know we're only five weeks into it, but are are you not man, reaching for the panic button a little bit, a little distressed, or, or, or is it, oh, it's way too early, they're going to figure this out? I'm really intrigued to see how they respond to this loss. And then I think we're going to find out a real decent amount, even from this Jets game this week. I know it's the Jets, but listen, this is a parody driven league. Hey, these about- Jets, man, these sp- yeah. spunky Jets. Spunky not- Jets. They no, are, I, I agree. Not it was funny dismissed. though, because I agree. as you're asking that question, because usually like as you're going along with the question, I'm like, oh, I know where he's going with this. Is you're starting to right. be like the one thing that's consistent and I'm pausing in my brain to be like, where is he going to go with this? <laughs> what what could that possibly I'm like, be? I'm like, maybe he's going like running game. I'm like, but I'm like, right. I don't know where he's going with this. And then of right. course you said inconsistency, which I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I, I legitimately don't know where they're going to go from here. I think we all had in our minds this formula, right? Of like, all right, they're going to play sound defense. They're they're like, that's what they're going to hang their hat on. They're going to play some ball control offense. Aaron Rodgers will be Aaron Rodgers when he needs to be. And the special teams will not be uh, unmitigated nightmare. If they can have that as the formula, there's an opportunity for success there. I think the biggest concern that I have coming out of yesterday is that you've got a Giants team that, as you mentioned, is dropping like flies. They're beat up. Saquon Barkley, fantastic player. Andrew Thomas having a really nice season. But, like, this is not going to be the toughest team that they face offensively for the course of the season. Let's just be real. And when you have five straight drives where they go eight for 45 field goal, 11 for 86 touchdown, 11 for 56 field goal, 15 for 91 touchdown without Saquon, I think that drive was, six for Mm -hmm. 60 touchdown, 
five straight drives and you can't stop that team, that offense once, like not once. Now the entire calculus changes because now like you can't just lean on like, okay, this defense is going to be really good. And like the offense will maybe come and go a little bit, but we can get going when we need to. And like the other thing too, that is semi-concerning is I saw on Twitter too. I, I saw a lot of people be like, all right, I know, I know Aaron Rodgers in this offense is going to go down and tie the game and get everything tied. And then, but it's going to come down to overtime. Maybe they get a field goal. Maybe the giants get a field. And I'm like, this is not that same offense that can just yes. go down and be like, you're down seven. We can go down and tie it. And like, I'm like, this is not a foregone conclusion at all. And it wasn't, and they got stopped and they lost the game. So I have a lot more questions than I have answers following that game. I think that's the easiest way to put it. I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting to me that coming off that game, there has been so much hand-wringing about the offensive play calling. And I think for good reason, I understand it. I think the entire game swung on that three and out. You know, after the Giants go eight minutes, score a touchdown, the Packers come out, throw three straight passes, most of them deep, and then they're punting. I do not doubt for a second. And then you fast forward to the end of the game, as you're talking about there, and it's, you know, oh, these you got two cracks to get two yards, and you throw it both times, and both times you get batted down. That last play call, particularly the RPO, I get the numbers pre-snap probably tell you you're supposed to throw the ball. But, man, if you just hand it to A.J., he probably definitely gets the first down, maybe even walks into the end zone. Regardless, it's fascinating to me that that has taken up a lot of the oxygen. But, man, Joe Barry looked lost yesterday, to your point, about all these drives and the inability to get off the field. And this, as Matt mentioned in the postgame, the number one team coming into this game on third down got absolutely roasted by a team with led by Daniel Jones and a not a lot of like top tier talent. And that's not to take anything away from New York. That's a really well coached team that absolutely out executed out muscled and out for lack of a better word, hearted the green Bay Packers. And you never saw any kind of adjustment from Barry as far as, okay, I get, we're kind of getting our ass whooped here. We're kind of getting pushed back. We got to start taking it to them. He just seemed content to keep allowing whatever, like we're going to play our little off zone and we're going to make sure that everything stays in front of us. And then you just did that for 90 plus yards and allowed a touchdown. You know, to me, that the defense is far more concerning than the offense coming out of that game. That is my takeaway because Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, the guys at their disposal, this, you know, they'll talk about it all week about Aaron and AJ needing to get the ball more. And I have zero doubt. When we get to Lambeau on Sunday, we will see a lot of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon because they almost always do kind of correct back to that calculus. But, man, on defense, I I don't know. I I have zero faith that Joe Barry is going to make any kind of adjustment to this scheme that they seem hell-bent on running. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, we we talk every week about like what are the matchups that are going to decide the game, and obviously Saquon Barkley was a, a huge conversation point for everyone this past week. And how does the defense stop Saquon Barkley? The biggest mismatch in this game was Brian Dable versus Joe Barry. Like there was no question about it. Brian Dable handed Joe Barry his lunch over and over and over. And yep. for some reason, through five weeks of a season, you don't have any idea how to stop a crossing route. That seems semi concerning as well. Um, I, I've said, and I'll say it again, the overarching philosophy of wanting to play two safeties deep, play an umbrella over the top, make sure you're not giving up explosives and making sure you're tackling everything in front of you as an overarching philosophy. It's not like other teams in the league that are successful aren't doing a lot of the same concepts. I understand it. I get it. However, twofold. One is that defensive players inherently have an attacking mindset. And if you're just doing the same ball, get ball. If uh, if you're on a good day. Yeah. If if you're just doing the same things over and over and just playing cover four and cover three and not blitzing and not attacking, I think your players can kind of get checked out a little bit. Like you have to bring the energy and the intensity and let those guys play an aggressive brand of football a little bit more than what they have been right now. And let Jair Alexander go cover and let some of these guys go get after the quarterback. And then the other thing is that you have to know, the situation. You have to know the personnel. It felt like Joe Barry was defending this team. Like it was Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs or, you know, Patrick Holmes <laughs> and Tyree right. Hill on the other end when it was Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton and, you know, not a very good offense overall. I, I point to one play in particular where it's, and I know like all of the zone off coverage stuff gets a little bit blown out of proportion, but it's second and 19 balls around the 50 ish yard line. And you've got a, pra- a wide receiver they called up from the practice squad this week versus Jair Alexander. By the way, the highest paid corner in football. And Jair Alexander <laughs> is 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. And the practice squad wide receiver just goes f- five yards, turns around, makes a catch. It's a poor angle, and he gets 12 yards out of it. 
And the next play they get off the field on third down. And you, I think the overall calculus is like, okay, like job well done. We got off the field, but that's what we want to do. Right. But, right. but, but that 12 yard play moves them into field goal range. You get the stop on the next down and you get three points out of it because you're conceding and allowing that easy completion to the outside. And the, the thing is, is like in that scenario with that down in distance with a practice squad wide receiver versus Jai Alexander, like let give me Alexander up on the line and make sure that you are covering that play and not conceding yardage on that play. So overarching philosophy, I get it. I understand it. I don't always love it, but I can, they're doing something, but like you've got to throw a change ball. You've got to be more aggressive and you've got to let your players play. And especially knowing down distance and scenario. It's interesting too, because that is the overarching philosophy, right? The, the too high shell, keep it in front of you, et cetera. And to your point, the crossers, uh, I think Mike Renner had a tweet out earlier this morning about uh, yeah. the yardage yardage wise overall, the Packers are near the top as far as limiting uh, actual overall yardage, but yeah. on crossers, they're absolutely getting killed, which actually, you know, of course, you know, you'd think about it and yeah, that makes perfect sense. As far as we're not going to let you be, beat us deep. We're not going to let you go vertical, but man, you can cross against us all day long. And we're going to, the idea being, we're going to come up and make the tackle. Now, I think especially in the second half, the Packers did a really poor job of that. And to that point, there are some players that need to start playing better. Uh, one of them is Darnell Savage. Another one is Devondre Campbell. Um, I would throw, you know, I know he's a rookie and he has some really nice explosive plays and you get really excited, but Quay Walker as well. Those are your guys and your mainstays. And you throw in the mix, everything you saw from Razul Douglas today. I know it's been talked about a lot in regards to, is he playing out of position? I very much think so. But even if he is going to play in the slot as your nickel guy, et cetera, he needs to play better there. And Stokes I mean, we all talked about what a great rookie season he had, and he did. But, man, you talk about a guy who has not stepped up. I, this is a whole th – these are all players who undoubtedly need to play better. So, yes, a 1,000%, and I am number one. Joe Barry needs to can adjust and, you know, absolutely play to his talent strengths. But his talent also needs to play better across the board. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, but at the same token, I look at you know coaching as well. And, and one of the things that I'm looking at from a coaching standpoint is like, okay, in totality, if we're looking at this team right now, how many players are overachieving and how many are underachieving? If we're looking at kind of like expected results going right. into the season, Rashawn's having a fantastic year. Kenny's playing out of his mind, but uh, in a way mind, yep. you sort of expected both of those things, right? I'm not saying that <laughs> right. you take away anything, but you sort of expected. No, but things. like that's, that's the standard, right? Because yes, they're so good. You yes, I, of course they are because they're so fucking good. That's the standard exactly. that they've set. Yep. So that's kind of the standard for those two. Outside of those on defense, I would very much struggle to find one player who I think is overachieving so far. And I would find even harder. Like it's it's just as difficult to almost find guys who are like living up to expectations so far. And same right. thing on the offensive side. Very few people that I can point to and be like, man. I can't believe this player is just playing out of his mind. Aaron Jones playing very good football. I don't think there's any question about that. Dylan's playing solid, but like there are very few players on this team as a whole that I can point to and be like, they're either at the level I expected them to be, or it, almost nobody playing above my expectations right now. And to me, that's that whether that is marrying scheme to talent or whether that's getting the most out of your talent, like that is coaching too. And it's just, it's yes, frustrating all the way around. It is. I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I do believe, like, look, you talk about guys playing up to expectation or below or whatever. 
I can't point to a wide receiver out of their whole group that isn't doing exactly what I thought he would do coming into this year. I'm not saying that like, oh, they're all, you know, well, this is the best you can get out of them because I don't think that's true. I think they are great complimentary pieces. But because the coach and the quarterback insist on playing through the wide receivers who do not compare to the top flight talent around the league, that doesn't mean that's not a slight. It's just like Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb do not match up with the top weapons at the position in the NFL. They just don't. I'm sorry. They're not Devontae Adams. They're not Stephon Diggs. It's just, and that's not a slight, but it's the reality of who they are. They are great complementary pieces. The offense needs to be run through the talent, which is in and resides in the backfield. And I've seen a lot of Packers fans be like, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers is four-time MVP. That's great, but that doesn't help solve the equation of you're trying to play spread offense like you have for the last 10 years. You are not that quarterback anymore. You are way more successful when you run the ball and work play action work off of that action, try to make get, get rollouts and bootlegs and things off of that. That's this offense. Or the paper cutting that we saw in the kind of first half where they're dinking and dunking, they're moving up and down the field. But the fact that they continue to call these deep developing routes and try to get Aaron Rodgers hero ball shots, I, it just it blows my mind how stubborn they are the answer is so apparent. And as we talked about before, each and every month, seemingly, we have one game where Aaron Jones gets completely forgotten about, the best player on offense. And then we hear from both Aaron and Matt, oh, well, we definitely got to do a better job of getting Aaron the ball. And then I have zero doubt we go into Lambeau on Sunday, you're going to, Aaron Jones will touch the ball 20 times, you know? But it just baffles me. It absolutely baffles me. That that is so apparent, yet they choose to ignore it. That that's what kind of drives me insane. I think there's always the you know, all right, how do you want to call plays? Do you want to call it to attack a specific style of defense, or do you want to call plays to get the ball in the hands of your your playmakers and make a difference? Right, the sort of the Jimmys right. and Joes or X's and O's sort of things. And I do feel like times that you know Matt Lafleur's strength and one of the things that he tries to do is you know take a, a snapshot and same thing with Rodgers at the, at the line is like what's the defense doing where's the space and where can we attack and there's a, a time and a place where yeah you count up eight guys in the box and you see a one-on-one on the outside and like that's the area of the field that you want to attack and that's the mismatch right. and that's where you want to do and that all sounds great if you've got a Devonte Adams over there if you've got like a, a player who's going to consistently win on the outside But if you don't, sometimes even if the numbers dictate where you should go and you're like, all right, one-on-one on on the outside, my analytical mind tells me that's where I should be targeting rather than eight guys in the box and handing the ball off. Sometimes just getting your best player the ball, regardless of situations or what the numbers say, is the absolute best thing you can do. And it would be ridiculous if like you had, if the Giants had Saquon Barkley and they were like, oh, they got eight guys in the box. Abort, abort the run. We can't run the ball. They've perfect got example. Guys. Perfect example. Like, uh, the big, the big run from Barkley. Yeah. Savage is down in the box. Like yeah. that's that's they're not playing. You know that's not like they don't have numbers there. That's not a strength, but they run it anyway because that's who they are and that's their best player. Like, yeah. That's what drives me insane. That's what it's like. They're hell bent on Aaron Rodgers getting the numbers. I guess I have no idea, and. 
it's to the detriment of the offense. And it's, it's becoming predictable too, because like there's a play where the giants are showing blitz and it's one of the little screens to the outside, to the wide receivers, they're showing blitz and the ball is snapped and they're shooting to the outside. Like they almost know like, all right, we're like, we just show this. Yeah. Like, and like, if this, then this, like, it, it can't be that, you know, um, you know, pragmatic where you're just like, again, if, if all right, we see numbers, we got to do this. Like you have to sometimes again, throw a curveball, not become as predictable. It's on both sides of the ball, the, the, the double a gap blitz that you show in the quarterback, uh, the giants have a QB sneak called. If they think they're actually going to call like bring the double a gap blitz, you can't run a QB sneak into that, but they know Barry's going to like fly his linebackers out. And Everybody not actually go out. It. Right. So Although I will say, I will say the players, and I don't think this had anything to do with Joe, although maybe it did, who knows? Like, maybe told him to look for it or whatever but after the first successful one i think it was on third down they played it better like i don't think there was another successful because they tried it a few more times and there was a very key one uh i believe it was a third down where rashawn made the tackle and they had to settle for a field goal so i think the players did a good job of okay i gotta make sure i watch out for this but yeah i on the offense it's just to me it's if you got to throw it, I mean, if you absolutely 1000% have to throw it, what was working in the first half was consistently utilizing the entire width of the field, quick strikes, three-step drops, or even, you know, get the snap and go. But every time they try to work something deeper, the throw to the, I don't know if it was an over or a deep post to um, Romeo Dobbs, I'm legit. He he let that go. I was in the stands. I was in the press box, which are in the stands at Hotspur Stadium. I'm like, there's a safety right there. What 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 are you seeing? What are you even? I don't even understand what you're thinking there. And it's just they seem hell bent on making three or four, five or six of those types of plays every game, and almost I'm gonna say always, but. More often than not, they're just a waste of a down. Yeah, no, it was a very, it was a very disappointing game from Rodgers. I don't think there's any question, you know, two ways about it. Like, it's it just not not up to his standard by far. No question, no question. Um, hey, but I will give since we love to do it. Got to give the special teams a shout out for the job they did at the end of the first half. You know, I, first of all, the Packers having three timeouts was just like uh, a absolute lightning bolt moment because. My goodness, they had three timeouts, and then they proceeded to burn them as quickly as possible. <laughs> I didn't understand that approach at all. I guess they're just to not fair, used to being to be in, fair, that never been right. in that Wait a second, we've got all these timeouts? What? Yeah, they, they, they have no idea what exactly. to do. But shout out to Basaccia. You talk about the operation, running that entire unit onto the field with, like, what, 15 seconds left? Get that kickoff, get the points before half. That was really well done. I was going to be really effusive of the praise of the special teams, except we got that fumble from uh, Amari Rogers. Do you think we see Amari Rogers on Sunday, or do you think he's uh, think he's done for a while? I, I mean, I think they wanted to be like I think on the punt return before the safety return. I think Keyshawn. They said Keyshawn Nixon was back to return. I didn't actually get a look at it if he was or not, but I think uh, he have been, may have been back to return, and they already benched him as a kick returner for Watson. So um, I don't know, like like that he had one job left, right? They already benched him as a kick returner. He literally had one job as a punt returner and fumbled that away. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I think they try to go in a different direction. Um, maybe, I don't know if that just means he's inactive or if they literally go in another direction. But um, I know some people were saying like, cause I was giving Basashi a praise too. And they're like, well, I can't praise him because he's still got, you know, Amari Rogers back then. It's like, that's a personnel issue. Go get Basachi a returner. And I guarantee you that like, he's going to be much happier. Like that's not a Basachi issue. That's like a, we don't have any issue. He literally took Watson out there for kick return, and like he's trying to make something happen. But yep. Yeah, I'm with you. That's hardly on Passaccia. I mean, that looks like a well-coached group, and it's fucking insane to me that we sit here heading in week six, and the special teams look like the best coach unit on the team. I will say That's though, nuts. I thought, I, I thought for sure. If you would have told me that like they had the opportunity to get that fumble and Keyshawn Nixon was there, I would have bet money that Keyshawn right. Nixon found a way to found on that fall on that ball. Um, that was Go a big game ball, changing yeah. play too. No, I, it was, but that's you know we how many times have you seen that in the NFL where the ball bounces yeah, that's a bad you think a guy's got a perfect shot and it just bounces. You know that, that's the randomness. You can't yep. you can't do nothing with that. You can do something with Andy Herman every Monday because that's what I do. I need to talk to this out of my system, Andy. I really, really appreciate it, man. I know, like, I was probably pretty late with the invite here. A lot going on over on this side of the pond, but I, I did hit a wall, and I was like, I got to talk to Andy about this game. <laughs> like, I got to get it off my chest. So I really appreciate right it, man. You. I appreciate you as well. Thanks, Aaron. Absolutely. I will uh, be talking to you from Green Bay next. I'll be in town for the Jets game. So uh, definitely look forward to that and hopefully a better result. Can't wait. Thank you so much for uh, the time, Andy. And make sure you check out his stuff at both Packer Report and, of course, Packer Day Podcast. Andy, thank you so much, man. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it.